Get ready to experience and receive the grace you long for from the heart of God. Welcome to Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan. Carla is a wife and mother, international speaker, minister, and engaging storyteller known for her transparency with an impactful testimony of how God has transformed her own life. Her desire is to connect you with the heart of God and the truth of how He truly loves and sees you. If you're hurt, if you're broken, if you yearn for God's love and acceptance, let the healing begin. Now, here's Carla Swanigan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Scandalous Grace, where we leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. I am Carla Swanigan, and I am so glad you're joining us today. Today on the show, I'm so excited to have our guest here today. April Fallon is the host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. April's an adoptive mother of four children, and on her show, she shares adoption stories from the perspective of the birth parents, the adoptee, or the adoptive parents. She highlights adoption through the foster care system, international adoption, domestic, and embryo adoption. Adoption Now is a platform to talk about the true journey of adoption, the joys and challenges that people experience on this road. And her website is adoptionnow.com. April, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited too. So the way that you and I met, just to give our listeners a little background, we were talking about this a little bit before um, we started today. The way we met was actually in a restaurant. We met at a Mexican restaurant, I think. Yes. I know we used to go to the same church, but I didn't really, that church was kind of big and I didn't really, I don't think I knew you very well at that church. Right. But um, the way that we met was through mutual friends. They wanted us connect, to connect because we'd both, I was doing foster care at the time mm-hmm. and I'd actually just finished um, doing foster care and it had kind of a traumatic experience and was just coming out on the other side, the healing side of that. And you were going through a pretty traumatic experience and our friends thought it would be good for us to get together and, and really just kind of like validate each other and encourage each other, right? you know, through that and maybe even pray for each other. So that's how we met. But I wanted my listeners to know about you because I just believe what you're doing is so the kingdom of God. It's so, um, to me, exemplifies um, the grace and love of Jesus. And I think adoption is something that all of us as believers are called to either participate financially in and, and support a family that's called to that. Um, of course, we should always be praying for families that are called to adoption or we should be, you know, adopting. I just think that that's. That's the kingdom. That's who Jesus was. And and we're all adopted into his kingdom, into the father's heart, you know, into mm-hmm. God. And so I think it's just such a beautiful display of the father's heart. So I love what you're doing. And I wanted our listeners to hear about you and about your show and, and about you and your beautiful family. But before we start, like, I would love it if you would just share a little bit of your own testimony with our listeners and how, you know, you got into adoption and everything to begin with. So I'm just going to let you share from your heart, whatever you've got. Well, I thank you for having me on the show. I'm so excited to talk about adoption because I am really passionate about children finding homes and parents becoming parents through adoption. I think it is a journey of brokenness and Mm. it's messy and it's exciting and there's so much joy and you get to see God in this aspect that you wouldn't if you didn't say yes. And so I've seen with all of these interviews that I've done, families that have started one way and said, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this and this is what it's going to look like, you know, as we often do in the journey of life. 
And all of a sudden they come out a completely different person. And that's really what happened to my husband and I. But before we started adopting, um, I was a missionary to Africa and I was a missionary for three years, very committed to preaching the gospel to the nations. Mm -hmm. I was very passionate about the African people and just going into the bush and going to places where everyone was afraid. I was like, send me, I'll go. Of course. I was only 21 at the time. So, you know, you learn. I never took guards. I just went myself um, and got into some trouble. And I say that because when you go to a place where it is spiritually alive, it's good and dangerous. Sure. And so there were times that, you know, I was not protected and things happened that were horrifying and Mm -hmm. terrifying and can't tell you the number of times I almost got ripped out of cars. They would open the door and try to pull me out. Oh my gosh. Um, Times where I had heard gunshots and gotten robbed or had a gun to my head. So all of these things, all of these things happened and I came back very broken. Mm -hmm. Um, I came back and really didn't want much to do with the gospel. I, Felt like my life was upside down. Um, The leaders were spiritually abusing us. Once they got us over there, um, they would spend three hours telling us what we didn't do, how much more we could work, how God was disappointed if we didn't have X number of people saved. So we were working hard all the time and seeing miracles, but felt exhausted. Oh, I'm sure. And abused and used. And, you know, is this what God is like? He doesn't love us. He doesn't care about us. He only cares about our obedience because that's what we were taught. And it just, it was very, very difficult, Carla. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds really scary and also really sad. I mean, like the example we have of Jesus in the Bible and over and over, the disciples tell us in the New Testament, it's not about works. It's not about what you can do. It's the finished work of the cross that did it all. Mm-hmm. So when we get into religion or, mm-hmm. or legalism and start trying to do the works, that's that's exhausting, like you said. And also, I think you're right. It's not the gospel. So that's really sad that that's what you experienced. And I'm so sorry. That's That's a nightmare. Yeah, it was a lot of cleanup. I came yeah. back at 25 years old and... I was very, like I said, exhausted and broken. And I thought, I don't want anything to do with the ministry. Mm-hmm. I don't want to preach to anyone. I don't want to teach people that there's no grace. I don't know what grace is, but I also know that working hard for God to love you cannot be right. Right. And I kind of just went away from the whole thing. I started getting into broadcasting, went to broadcasting school, loved media, Started working in the news, worked for Channel uh, 4 and CBS for several years and kind of just ran away from anything that had to do with with God. I went to church, but it was uncomfortable for me. Mm. And when you see miracles like that and then you see abuse, you can't make sense of it. Right. It's like, I don't I don't think I like any of it. So then you kind of throw away the miracles or you throw away the things that you do love about God. Sure. And I remember God saying to me, and I might cry, but God saying to me, what did you love about that trip? Wow. And so I had to really pull from the wreckage my passions, and that took work. It took therapy, real therapy, you know, yeah. by a, a oh, professional sure. to help me get through the pain and say, I loved those kids. 
I loved those kids. I want to go back. I'd do it again so I could be with those kids. And I worked in orphanages. I worked in infant orphanages where the babies were thrown into toilets or left on the side of the road. Um, And we were nursing them back from just like four pounds to health. And being a part of something like that Mm -hmm. is so rewarding. And God was there. Yes. And then I started to go back and say, okay, and what about this part of my life that I loved? Oh, God was there. Mm. And so I could then take those other voices away that were making me do things that were not me. It's not me to preach and then have an altar call and then count heads and then say 30 were saved or 50. Because to me, I, I mean, I know some ministries love numbers, but to me, that's not what it's about. Right. It's not about that moment of how many did we get saved. It's about being there and discipleship Mm -hmm. and long-term relationship and seeing somebody's life changed. I can't take time to count all the numbers. I just want to rejoice that God did something amazing. Yeah, and let us be a part of it. Yes. And so having all of that taken away and then starting, it felt like a, a whip to your back. And so really God started to breathe life into me. I met my husband, married him. And I said, right off the bat, when we started dating, I don't think you should date me because number one, I'm broken. I'm a broken missionary. Mm. I love to be overseas and I feel, I feel awkward in America and I don't know if I'll ever fit in here. And thirdly, I don't want to birth children. I want to adopt all my children. And so I don't think I'm a good fit for you. I'm too messy and broken and he continued to date me. He asked yeah. me on another date. That's awesome. So weird. I was like, okay. And he said, I have an adopted brother and sister from Vietnam and Cambodia. I love adoption. Wow. How cool is God? I've traveled all over the world playing basketball. So I love to travel as well. And so we came together and three years into our marriage, we brought home AJ, our first adopted baby. Oh, that's so cool. Now, how old is AJ now? AJ is seven. But I love to tell AJ's story because it's full circle. And, you know, I say this a lot on my show. God doesn't always reveal to us full circle. Like we don't always make sense of everything. Mm-hmm. But I love to tell when he does. Yeah. When you do get a glimpse of why something happened. Um, when we were in the process, they told us to get an African-American child in Colorado. You're probably going to wait two to uh, five years. Okay. They're just... They just don't have as many African-American babies here that are infant adoption. So we were like, okay, we'll wait. And they're mm-hmm. like, are you sure? I mean, there, there could be some Caucasian ones. And I, in my heart, I'm like, I either have to go back to Africa mm-hmm. or I have to adopt here a child that needs a home that's African-American. And so they said, okay, well, get ready to wait. Two weeks later, after oh our gosh. home study was done, we got the call. So we were super excited. We go to the hospital. We're like, God answered our prayers. That's so awesome. And they said, um, this little boy will never walk. He'll never talk. He probably can't see and he probably can't hear. And we were like, what? We we did not sign up for special needs. I don't think we're equipped. Mm-hmm. And our agency said, I know, but you asked for an African-American little boy and here he is. And so we had to call you and at least tell you about him. We met him and the doctors came in and they said, we're so sorry. Basically, you're taking home a vegetable. Um, are you sure you want to do this? The nurses were trying to help us. It was like a funeral. I mean, it was the saddest 
few hours in that hospital trying to decide, should we take him home and what's best for him and can we do this? And we decided we're going to take him. Loved him in the first night. I remember feeling like if the mom changes her mind, I don't know if I'm going to make it through. I love this little boy, this little vegetable that they're telling us that he'll be in wheelchairs and he'll be disabled. I love him with everything I have. And so we're in it to win it. And so we took him back to the hospital in the next couple of weeks and I was very broken. I was praying in the, in the bathroom and I don't share the story a lot, but I was praying in the bathroom and, um, we were just about to take him in for the MRI. And I said, God, just, just be with us. Mm-hmm. And God said, I remember, I remember all that you did in Africa and you gave your life I'm going to cry. Oh, April. You gave your life for these kids that were not your children. You just loved them. And you did everything. And through all of the brokenness, I saw what you did. And I am here and I'm going to save your son now. Wow. And I didn't know if that meant that he was going to heal him. I didn't know what that meant. But the overwhelming peace that came over me, that he was going to save our family, meant to me that he was with us. Yes. He was going to walk through this. And the work that I did in Africa was not a waste the brokenness, the anger, the disappointment I felt in the gospel and in God, none of that was for a waste. I say that a lot on the show. I say that in life in general, but I say that all the time that God never wastes anything. And even mm. when we can't see what he's doing, even out of some of the crappiest moments in my life, I mean, the total like what I like to call my crap storms, you know, mm-hmm. of life, God always brings something beautiful out of that whether it's me ministering to somebody else that Mm -hmm. happens to be going through what I've already walked through or somebody that's ashamed to admit something they've done and I can like pipe up and say hey I did that let me let me tell you like God can bring you out of that he can bring you he will bring something good he has proven that to me over and over again that Mm -hmm. he will bring something good out of and he never wastes a thing because he's like that even when we can't see What's what could possibly come mm-hmm. good out of that? He does something beautiful like he did for you guys. So amazing. That moment was so amazing for me because I didn't think that he would remind me of Africa in this moment. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't think he would connect those dots. And he did. We went in for the MRI and they said, you need to go talk to your doctor right now. And we were like, OK, so we took you know, the MRI and right. the paperwork. And it's bad news. Right. And we were at children. So it's kind of all connected together. So we went to our pediatrician and she, we walked in the door and she said, I am not an emotional person. I just want you to know. But when I saw this paperwork, I screamed and oh my, my kids thought something terrible happened. I was at home reading this and she said, I had, I rushed up here. She said, he's okay. Oh my God. His brain formed. We don't know how he's missing part of his brain, but that was formational Everything is normal. He can hear. He can see. We think he's going to be okay. Wow. Six months went by. They said, you don't have to come to us anymore. You can go to a a regular doctor. He's fine. And he is a star athlete. (laughs) He is in Mandarin. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, three hours a day at his language immersion school. Super smart. I mean, he's very smart. And he represents to me the redemption of God. Yes. And when I said to my husband, I don't think I'll ever fit in here. Bringing home AJ made me feel like this is why I'm here. Yeah. And, and God brought me here for a reason. And 
I was in Africa for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I saw all of that for a reason because I believe that my faith changed radically. And now I have real faith. Right before yeah. I was like playing faith mm -hmm. and I believe that God was in it. I don't want to sound like um, that what I was doing was not authentic. It sure. was. Yeah. But there was a lot of lie in there. Sure. And for me, God revealed it really quickly. And so I can see it now. I can see when people are being spiritually abused now quickly. I see the signs quickly. And I'm here for people when their lives are broken because A plus B did not equal C. Mm -hmm. Because the promise that somebody made to them that the gospel is from glory to glory constantly and you don't have those valleys. Sure. And if you do, something's wrong with you. Right. I'm here to say, no, 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 no. That's not That's not true. Yeah. That is not true. A real tangible faith is a gracious faith and God uses us even if we aren't perfect. And even in the midst of it, if you have another testimony in the midst of it, it's okay. That's right. Your testimony keeps going, right? Yeah. And so I don't want anybody to feel like a failure. And that's why I started the show is because when we started in adoption, it can be easy to feel like you failed mm -hmm. because you didn't connect to your child. You didn't get the baby. Maybe somebody changed their mind, the birth mom, or maybe a, a grandma took the baby. Maybe it just got messy and mm -hmm. people from the church or from your family are looking in on you and they're like, well, that didn't work out because A, B and C or this reason. And they're, they're judgmental towards yeah. you. I'm here to say no, no. Yeah. Adoption is messy and it's hard and it's challenging and it's expensive. And God is asking us to say yes. Yeah. He is asking us to do it. Well, and speaking of the messy, like we talked about, and like I always say too about my own testimony, it's super messy. I mean, God came after me in the middle of my mess. He, he didn't wait till I was cleaned mm -hmm. up and living right and being righteous. And that's how Jesus was when mm -hmm. he walked the earth with us. He was in the middle of all the messy stuff. You know, he didn't avoid it because it was hard or mm -hmm. messy or because the religious leaders of the day said it was against the rules to do that or to talk to that person or, to, you know, like women, for example, mm -hmm. all the stuff's going on in the news and in the media today and just in our world, um, especially with women. And Jesus was always honoring women. He was I mean, they weren't even allowed to really acknowledge or talk to women back in his day. And he was always doing that. The woman at the well, mm -hmm. you know, who was like an adulterer and been married five times and was living with some dude. I mean, she had a super messy lifestyle and he's chatting her up, you mm -hmm. know, in front of everyone, not in the hidden dark, but in the middle of the day, because that's who he was. And I just think he always got in the middle of the messy situations. And I think that's what we're called to do. And I wanted to ask you, you know, you said about AJ that his, you got to see the the full circle and now he's, it's like a miracle. He's healed and he's living this great life. Um, but you mentioned that one of the things that's messy about adoption is sometimes the birth mom changes her mind. Mm -hmm. And I know when I was doing foster care, I talked to a lot of people that are like, oh, I think it's great you're doing that. You know, I don't think I could ever do that because my heart gets attached. You know, they make it sound like it would just be too hard. Mm -hmm. And I always said, I absolutely know that my heart is attached, but I feel like that's part of the point of doing this is to love these children and let them feel that love. And that's just, I guess a chance I take is mm -hmm. opening my heart to them and letting them feel the fullness of love. And I feel like a lot of people are scared of adoption mm -hmm. because they don't think they could handle it if it fell through or if the mom changed her mind. And I just, 
I would love it if you could just say something to those people who feel called to adoption, Mm -hmm. but have a very real fear. Like I'm not trying to say it's not a valid concern at all Mm -hmm. because it's hard and it's difficult. But how could you encourage them in spite of that fear? That is a great question. If we would have stopped with AJ, I would say that besides the medical part, it was a fairly easy adoption. It was less expensive. She didn't, you know, the mom didn't change her mind. Mm -hmm. We finalized right on time. And so we would have walked away and said, wow, adoption is fabulous and great and wonderful. And we still say that. But the second adoption is what really answered that question for us. We went into a little boy, a a situation where uh, an eight-month-old little boy was being placed for adoption. We said yes. We brought him home, and he was very, very sick. We took him to the hospital. Um, They said, we don't know what's wrong. Ran all these tests. They were figuring out that mom was starving him. Mm. Hit a button, stuck in his throat, carpeting. He was reaching for whatever to swallow it, eat it. And so she found out that we took him to the hospital and she freaked out thinking that they were going to take her daughters. She had two daughters home with her away as well. Mm -hmm. So she showed up to the hospital and said, I changed my mind. I want him back. Well, of course, the state said, well, we're not giving him back to you. Yeah. But you do have the right to not put him for adoption. And so she said, I don't want this family to have him. And I didn't know enough then to understand that adoption is more than the child. Mm. You're really adopting possibly a family. You are jumping into the middle of not only the issues that the child has, but maybe the birth parents have. And until you're finalized, you're in it completely. You're in their world of drugs, abuse. And how do you love somebody like that while you're trying to love their child? And I just didn't have the resources. I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And so when she came in and is threatening us, and I honestly think maybe she was trying to get the doctors to believe we had abused him. Yeah, anything to get the spotlight maybe off of her. And keep her family together because she realized she was about to lose her kids. Well, we had only had him for a couple hours, so they knew No, honey, we know what's going on here. So they asked us to leave the hospital. We left with that empty car seat the day before Thanksgiving. And we felt a tremendous loss. People said to us, well, it was only, you know, 24 hours. It doesn't matter. Oh, gosh. When you think you're getting a child and you don't, even if you don't bring that child home, it is painful. It Mm -hmm. is. It is a loss. And I am here to come alongside parents and say, I get it. It's a loss. And I felt like, what can we do to make this better? So we called the state. The state said, there's nothing we really can do for you. Um, You know, she's changed her mind. That child stayed in the system for four and a half years. No. And finally lost, she lost rights and all the kids and they all got adopted. But to say, to, to say some advice, I think what I would say is if I could go back, I would have said to her, what can I do for you? I would have talked to her yeah. eye to eye. And and I think, and I did it in my next adoption, which changed everything. That mm-hmm. birth mother, I realized she needed more love than this baby needed love. She was broken and I could get on, on a level with her and understand who she was. Mm-hmm. We had a bond that was very close. And because of the last situation, right? You applied to this one. Right. And so I tell families, know your birth parent, get involved. Tell them something they've never heard. Tell them 
you know, you can do something amazing. How can I help you? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? Can we get you in hair school? I've sent one of my birth mothers to hair school. What can we do to make you feel like a human being? Yeah. And how can I respect you? Because I realize no one else has. And mm-hmm. that's why you're in this situation, right? It's not just the baby that put him in the situation. Right. It's years of whatever they've gone mm-hmm. through. And so I would say to a family that's asking me, well, I'm too scared to lose a baby. I would just say, it is scary, but take that risk because you have the opportunity to not only possibly bring a child home, but to adopt an entire family and to minister and mentor a very, very broken situation. Yeah, in in ways that you may not even realize going into it. And God might be asking you to do that. Yeah. I mean, we're all called to do that in the world in general. So to have that one-on-one relationship opportunity with somebody that feels broken and that and that may even feel so much guilt and shame that they've never been recognized or, mm-hmm. or, or acknowledged at, yeah. or fought for. I have fought for my birth mothers. Now I have four children. We've had seven placements. So I've had several birth mothers now. I've fought for them in the hospital and said, no, bring me the nurse. I want to talk to the nurse mm-hmm. right now. No one, they've never had a mother fight for them. They've never had a father. Well, they've never had anybody fight for them. They've maybe. never had anyone say, give them care. I don't care if they're on Medicaid. Bring the best care that you have mm-hmm. for this woman because she's a human being and just delivered a baby. Yeah. And sometimes that mom might choose to keep her baby, and that's extremely painful. But I promise you, God will bring you through. And I promise you, if you still want a child, there is a child for you. If the desire in your heart is to adopt, there are children for you. There's a baby for you. Do not give up. That's the one thing I say to my family is because a lot of them say, well, just, I guess it's not for me. It's not true. I want you to keep believing in that dream that God has a child for you and you will recover from that loss. Amen. Um, I'm going to pray for everybody before we go, but you guys, you can find out more about April at adoption-now.com and you can check out her show, Telling Your Adoption Story on Adoption Now. And um, I just want to pray for everybody right now that's maybe thinking about adoption in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would bring your, your truth and your clarity and your courage to these families. I thank you, God, that it's in your heart. Adoption is on your heart and it matters to you. So I just pray for every family listening right now in Jesus name, Lord, that you would give them the courage to step into what you've called them to. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. And remember, leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. We hope you were blessed by today's episode of Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan. Please go to carlaswanigan.com to listen to podcasts, see where Carla will be speaking, and to find out about all of Carla Swanigan Ministries' resources, including her video devotional series. Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan is a listener-supported radio ministry outreach. We depend on your prayers and donations. Please go to carlaswanigan.com for ways you can partner with Carla in reaching listeners with God's love and grace. Please join us again next Saturday at 4 p.m. for Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan. 